Hey, Park Church, my name is Neil, serve as the Director of Formation and Missions here at the church, and it's a joy to be with you, uh, though not in person, via a screen, in living rooms, all across the city and wherever you might be. Um, yeah, for those of you that I've told over the years, it, when Park Church moves toward video preaching, that's probably the end of my tenure here. I am now eating my words. Um, now, it really is a joy to, uh, to be with you and to look at God's Word, because we recognize in, really for many of us, an unprecedented season in our lifetimes, in our own experience, uh, we're able to still be the church gathered in homes, in living rooms, with family or with close friends, uh, whatever that might look like for you right now, uh, going to Jesus as our refuge. Uh, as our rock, as our foundation, when all around us may seem like sinking sand and just chaotic and in crisis, we're able to go to Jesus, to Christ our King, in His Word to find rest. Uh, last week, we took a quick departure from our Gospel of Matthew series uh, to address some of the things that we're seeing in our world right now, even in our own communities. And we want to begin easing back into our Matthew series. And I want to do that by looking at just really one line that Jesus has in Matthew 4, 17, when he says this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what is the nature of this kingdom? What does that mean for us? And what hope does that provide in the midst of, of just a, an uncanny season uh, for many of us? So let me pray for us and then we'll dive in together. Jesus, thank you. I thank you that you are the king who sits on the throne, that this kingdom of heaven that you've spoken about, uh, you're also the one who ushered that in. And your presence means life. It means joy. It means comfort. Uh, it means that we can go to you in the midst of unstable, shaky times when everything around us seems to be fragile and unsure. We may come to you, uh, the fountain of life, uh, the, the one who is firmly established on your throne, ruling perfectly. Uh, so help us to see what that means for us. May we drink deeply of the life that you provide. I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, many of you may be familiar with uh, the Danish 19th century short story by Hans Christian Andersen, uh, The Emperor's New Clothes. Uh, in that short story, it tells of a king who is powerful in his kingdom, uh, but also quite arrogant. Uh, he loved the way that he looked, the way that he was received by others, especially through his appearance and his clothing. And there are two weavers in his kingdom, in his community, uh, subjects of his, who were really tired of his pride. And so they decided to, to play a little trick on him. And they went to him and, and kind of playing into his arrogance said, King, we, we have the ability to make a suit of clothes that will be unlike anything that you've ever worn, anything that you've ever seen or could imagine. It will be so light to the touch, you'll hardly realize you're wearing it at all. It almost has this like magical quality to it. The only thing is, is that anybody who is unfit for their position, anybody who is foolish or incompetent, they won't be able to see these clothes at all. But you, of course, King, and all those who work in your court, uh, and many of your subjects, they will be able to see how marvelous these clothes are. And so the King, of course, took them up on the offer and gave them the gold and the materials and set them up to begin making these clothes. Well, in reality, they were not making clothes at all. Uh, they just went through the motions, pretending to be making something, weaving something together. And even as the king began to, to send down uh, those that were in his court to, to check on the progress, these weavers would pretend. Uh, they, they, would, they would celebrate and speak to the, the beauty and the delights and, and the work they've done as they were kind of moving through this process. And 
these individuals from the king's court as they went down, they, well, they didn't want to be seen as unfit before the king. They didn't want to be seen as, as foolish or incompetent. And so they would come back to the king and report, pretending they had seen something when in reality they had seen nothing. And say, oh, it is, it is beyond anything you can imagine. Uh, I can't even describe it to you. Uh, the, the, this suit of clothes is unlike anything you've experienced before. Just wait till you see it. Well, finally, the, the, the time came when the king uh, was supposed to go down and behold this suit of clothes and to begin to try it on and, and experience it for himself. And when he came down, he, of course, saw nothing because there was nothing there to be seen. Uh, but he was the king. Uh, he couldn't be seen as unfit. He couldn't be seen as unable to rule over his people, to be somehow foolish in front of others. And so he continued the charade in saying, oh, it is, it is marvelous. In fact, I will commit to wearing this at the next processional. Uh, before my entire kingdom, in front of all of my subjects, I will enter into that parade wearing this new suit of clothes. Well, the parade came and uh, he pretended to, to put on this new suit of clothes and he begins to, to move through. And as the subjects of the kingdom who've heard the, the reputation of these new clothes, as they saw him, those seeing nothing, they, they too celebrated what they didn't see. They, they too spoke of how marvelous and wonderful this new suit of clothes was to behold on the king. Well, that is until one child, one little boy, poked his head out from the crowd. And he said, but, but the king's not wearing anything at all. And that set off laughter amongst the people. And then humiliation and embarrassment from the king such that he fled. And that wrapped up the story. And, and I think this, this gives us a, a metaphor for today. It, it gives us something of a, of a picture of what we're experiencing in our culture, in our society, even now. See, even, even before the coronavirus outbreak, uh, even before all the, the unprecedented change that we're experiencing right now in our society, uh, our, our culture has been kind of teetering between a culture of outrage and an age of anxiety. Now, this outrage culture has been marked by really a hypersensitivity to anybody who would think differently than us, have a different perspective or opinion or communicate something on social media that doesn't align with our vision of what a human being is or what the good life is. And, and so we respond by blackballing people from certain communities or contexts, uh, by kind of lashing out against them in anger, in outrage and saying, you're not allowed to think this way. You're not allowed to, to be in this type of community and have that kind of perspective. But along with that, hypersensitivity, there's been an utter insensitivity to those who do think differently than us. Uh, a willingness to shove them out of certain relationships, uh, to see them pushed away. And as long as we're communicating through the buffer of social media, it doesn't seem to matter what tone or what posture or how we communicate with them. It's been marked by a culture of outrage. But at the same time, there's been this, this growing, gnawing sense of anxiety throughout our society. That wondering, what if this whole cultural project, what if the, this kind of building of our personal kingdoms, trying to recognize uh, what do we long for, what do we want, what do we desire, how do we help build that, all the ambitions that we have, what we believe to be uh, the things that will bring us happiness and bring us satisfaction and bring us joy. What if the whole project is, is actually really unstable? Now, what if it's really fragile and is beginning to deteriorate in some places? What if it's actually not delivering on the promises that we think it should deliver on? What if we're not as secure as we'd like to think? 
So all the while we've been teetering between this, this outrage, this anger, and this fear and anxiety and kind of tilting back and forth, they've been mixing together, and all the while we've been trying to, to maintain this charade of saying, hey, this personal kingdom building project, it's, it's working okay. But knowing and, and having that suspicion that, that maybe it's not, maybe I don't have the joy, the satisfaction, the comfort, the delight that I so long for. But, but I look around and I see other people through Instagram or relationships I have or stories that I hear, and it seems to be working well for them. Like it's working well enough, and so we continue to pretend. We continue just spinning our wheels, pretending, trying to make this thing work, laboring, investing our lives, giving up our energy, giving up our resources to, to pursue our own kingdoms, to, to build something in our own strength. Well, now we sit with a coronavirus outbreak, uh, something that is not just affected our health, though it certainly has included that, uh, but is, is beginning to reach into every facet of our life together. It's led into a really unstable stock market and economic implications for all of us, at least eventually, even if we're not feeling it right now, it's, it's finding its way into our culture, into our markets. Uh, for some, it's already meant job loss or uh, a severe cutting of hours. Uh, for many, it's meant social isolation, heightened anxiety and fear, uh, things that we've, we've already been wrestling with in our lives. It, those things don't go away. and In many ways, they've just become heightened even more so. And all the while, the, the structures that we've looked to, the economic system, the political environment, uh, the, the government officials, people that we may have looked to to say, hey, give us guidance, give us direction, they too are wondering, what, what do we do in the midst of this? And so here we are, trying to, to maintain a charade of, of happiness and satisfaction and pursuing the good life and our own strength. And this virus, this outbreak, and the many implications that we're just beginning to feel the effects of, it's as if the, the little boy has poked his head out from the crowd and said, look, the king is not wearing anything at all. All these charades, all these attempts at building the good life in our own kingdoms on our own, they're being exposed. We feel the fragility. Uh, we feel undone. We don't have the security that we thought we did, that, that, that we in our own human strength and ability, the things that we can build, it's, it's not producing, it's not making good on the promises that we think it should be. And so what do we do in the face of this? Well, this is where we, we turn and we see in Matthew 4, Jesus saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His reign, his rule, his sovereign goodness, his ever-present help, it is at hand in the person and work of Jesus, him coming uh, to be with us, to reign, to live as he did and accomplish what he has. And perhaps more than ever in our lifetimes, we feel how acutely we have a need for the goodness of Jesus, for the goodness of his reign, for the reality and the felt experience of his reign. Well, there in Matthew 4, uh, just above where Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven being at hand. Uh, Matthew quotes in verses 15 and 16 from uh, the prophet Isaiah in the Hebrew scriptures. And, and he quotes from Isaiah chapter nine. And the broader context in Isaiah chapter nine is, is speaking of this child, of this child who'd be born as a light amidst the darkness, uh, who would come in and have the government, the very government upon his shoulders and have a different type of rule, a different type of reign that would lead to hope for his people 
that would lead to joy and stability, putting away all injustice, all oppression, everything that would lead to death and destruction. This child that we know to be Jesus, which is why Matthew quotes it here in chapter 4. He puts away all of it to give us hope, to give us stability, to give us an unshakable kingdom for those who would trust in him while everything else around us is shaking. So if you, if you want to flip over to Isaiah 9, I just want to highlight a few things from the first several verses to see the nature of this kingdom. In verses 2 and 3, it walks through how this, this child becomes a light in the darkness, providing joy for his people, uh, putting away every source of oppression or war or destruction, anything that would lead to death and devastation. He puts that away. And then in verse 6, he's described this way as a wonderful counselor, as one who has supernatural wisdom that brings healing, as, as mighty God, the one who is, is a warrior liberator who establishes true justice, that he is the everlasting father, the one who provides shepherding care for us in undying security. And he is the prince of peace, the one who, who gives to us and establishes shalom, flourishing in every direction in our lives. He gives us peace. He gives us justice. He gives us righteousness. And, and this kingdom knows no end. It grows, it progresses, it moves forward, it expands, even now, even right now, amidst everything that is going on. His reign, his rule, his kingdom is unshaken and it moves forward. And so what do, what do we do in the face of this? But what, what do we do with this, this Jesus who has come and established a different kind of rule, a different kind of kingdom? Uh, recognizing that, that he didn't come as, as most kings do, as most rulers we would anticipate coming in to kind of assert themselves and grab for power and, and, and gain authority through some sort of forceful means. No, this, this Jesus came and he suffered and he died because he recognized that the most fundamental darkness is not economic systems that are unstable. It's not a political environment that is unsure. It's not a virus that we're not really sure how to stop right now. It's not all of the implications in our lives. The greatest, most basic darkness is our own sin. It's our own rebellion. It's our own tendency to, to try to build kingdoms on our own, apart from the reign and the goodness and the truth and the word and the kindness and nearness of God. That is the most basic darkness. And this light that is shown through Jesus, Jesus himself being this light, that's the darkness that he came to address. He came to live a perfect life. He came to submit to the Father's will. He came to, to suffer and to die as a sacrifice, as a substitute for us, bearing the punishment and the wrath and, and all of the brokenness and the shame that we deserve. He bore that himself on the cross. And then he rose again to new life conquering, be, becoming victorious over sin and rebellion and all the darkness, Satan himself, death itself, all of it put to shame because Jesus came back to life. Our King lives. He suffered and died and bled for us and then rose victorious. And so he provides this invitation for us. Come, Come and repent, come and turn, come reorient your life around this kingdom. 
All the places that we, maybe even a week ago, a month ago, we would place our hope, our confidence without even realizing it, kind of buying into this cultural project of, of progression, of just moving forward again and again and again, realizing now this, this is a myth. It's, it's been called the, the myth of progress, of saying that through our own labor and ability and ingenuity and creativity, like we can build something here on earth ourselves. That's being shown to be a myth. We actually need one who can do that for us. We actually need a kingdom and a king that cannot be shaken by all that we're facing right now. And so Jesus stands ready to receive us, ready to invite us in to this kingdom. So where do you find yourself right now? As you consider the, the claims of this king and the, the nature of this kingdom amidst all the chaos and the crisis around us, what, what's the, the state of your soul? Uh, maybe you find yourself uh, kind of being in a, in a slumber, a spiritual slumber uh, for, for much of your Christian life. Uh, maybe Jesus has been some sort of side dish to your, your own vision of what the good life is. And so he could be useful at times and other times he could be set aside, but really you have what you want your life to look like. And he's saying, come to me, turn from that, find hope in me, Sum submit to me, go, go, go deeper in relationship with me, find the joy and the rest and the comfort that is available through Jesus. Uh, maybe anxiety is just beginning to uh, wreck your life. Uh, things that have maybe been a little bit more in the background are just rising to the foreground right now, which is the case for many of us. You have a savior who is not shaken by any of this. You have a, a king who's established a kingdom that, that rules and reigns sovereignly over every single detail that you're experiencing, that those that you love are experiencing, those around you are experiencing. He reigns over all of it. And he invites you to come and to rest in him, to, uh, to, to take upon yourself his yoke, his burden, for it is easy and light, and he provides true rest. Maybe you've been connected to the church and Christianity in various ways uh, for much of your life, maybe all your life. Maybe for the first time you're starting to wonder, have I ever actually put my faith in Jesus? Have I actually put my personal trust in Jesus to be my savior, to be my deliverer, to be the one who would provide actual hope and life and joy? He stands ready to receive you. He stands ready to uh, to receive you into this kingdom, into his rest, into the salvation that is available to all who would bow the knee and submit to King Jesus. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're getting connected to spirituality or the church or the Bible or Jesus or God, and you're starting to ask new questions. Or maybe it's just been many years since you've been around the church or talk of, of spiritual things. The same invitation stands for you. In times that it feels like all is fragile and unstable. Uh, there is one who is not shaken by any of it. And he invites you. Trust in him. Look to him. Find hope in him. Uh, bow the knee and submit to Christ the King. And he will provide for you life and life eternal. For all of us, we're experiencing disturbances uh, that many of us, we just haven't felt before. Uh, maybe this is eliciting some new heart responses or things that have been buried deeply and they're kind of emerging in your life. And it's like, why am I communicating that way with my spouse or roommate or my community? And I'm seeing my resp myself respond in these kinds of ways. These emotions come to the foreground. I'm making decisions from this posture where I, I never thought I would before. Here too, Jesus invites you to trust in his good reign, uh, to come to him. 
to, to consider the claims of his, his kingdom and what it means to enter into his rest and his joy and his comfort. And so this is what's available for us, to look to Jesus as the king. He says, repent, turn. It simply means to, to reorient our lives, to, to turn back to the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who has saved us through Jesus, and to come before him. And this affords us such great peace, such great comfort, such great joy. And not just personally and enjoying his presence with us, it absolutely affords us that, but also the ability to be a non-anxious presence. In, in the midst of a society that, that is confused and asking new questions and not really sure uh, what next week looks like or a month from now, or what are the long-term implications, we're able to, to move out into the world in the way that we love and serve and communicate and interact with other people, not from a place of, of fear or instability, but saying, I'm, I'm rooted, I'm grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. For he has come, he has conquered, he reigns in life, and he's given that life to me. Uh, really appreciate how one author said this. He said, as always, the people of God must decide what reading of their experiences they will live by. Are they to look at the darkness, the hopelessness, the dreams shattered and conclude that God has forgotten them? Or are they to recall his past mercies, to remember his present promises and to make great affirmations of faith? The darkness is true, but it is not the whole truth and certainly not the fundamental truth. What is most foundationally true is that Jesus reigns. He is with us. He is for us. And the invitation stands for all of us to, to enter into this kingdom and to live as citizens of this kingdom under the reign of this good king. And so what we want to do now is spend time uh, wherever you are, whoever you are with, whether it's by yourself or with family or a few friends, to, to spend time in prayer coming before this king. Uh, the one who actually hears, who desires for us to cry out to him, to plead uh, with him, to, to work in particular ways, uh, to, to thank him in, in the midst of, of difficulty and frustration, to thank him for the ways that he has provided and what he has given already. And so we want to we do that as the people of God scattered all throughout the city and wherever else you might find yourself right now. Um, we also have provided some resources on our website to help guide your time of prayer. So if you go to parkchurchdenver.org, uh, you can find uh, some, some resources that will guide you in your time of prayer with one another and for one another. Uh, before we transition into our times of prayer, let me just pray for you. Again, Jesus, we, we just want to start with gratitude. Uh, thank you that you are Christ the King who has come and suffered and died on our behalf, giving up your perfect life as a sacrifice so that we may be brought into relationship with the Father. Thank you that you conquered death. You conquered every cause of destruction. You conquered uh, the great enemy of our souls. And you've conquered fear through your resurrection. And so I ask that we would, we would feel something of that. We would experience the truth and the reality of your reign, even now, as people gather together, as people... Uh, hear from your word and spend time praying to you, asking you to work. May your spirit come. We plead with you, come. Make what is, is so beautifully true come to bear on our souls, come to bear in our relationships, come to bear in our everyday lived experience. We, we need your spirit. 
And we need you uh, to be present with us in a way that we experience you, that, that we know it to be true in, in, our, in our souls in a way that is just unexplainable. And so please meet with us. Meet with your people. May we enter into this kingdom and find your reign to be good, to be true, to be beautiful, and to bring delight and joy and comfort. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.